Let's turn this morning, congregation, to God's gospel in Isaiah the prophet. Prophecy of Jesus will come as a servant of the Lord and Messiah to redeem us from our sin. Isaiah 49, 1 through 23, page 724. Isaiah 49, Jesus is speaking here. Before he came in the flesh, of course he's present as God, the eternal son, and he's speaking here. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, Jesus is talking here again to his father. I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light or too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor I have answered you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land to apportion the desolate heritage, saying to the prisoners, come out, and to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, and all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene, which is southern Egypt. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. 
Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as, or, as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does. Surely your, bait, your waste and your desolate places and your devastated land. Surely now you will be too narrow for your inhabitants and those who swallowed you up will be far away. The children of your bereavement will yet say in your ears, the place is too narrow for me. Make room for me to dwell in. Then you will say in your heart, who has borne me these? I was bereaved and barren, exiled and put away. But who has brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. From where have these come? Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the peoples. And they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. With their faces to the ground, they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. And let's look this morning at verse 6, where the father says to his son Jesus, the servant, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This is God's word. And may he use that to speak to us, save us and change us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you remember those words of Isaiah 53? He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, his son Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That Isaiah 53, the end of 52 and 53, is the fourth suffering servant song in Isaiah. There are four songs of the suffering servant. The suffering servant is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God who's going to come in our flesh as a servant to God for our salvation and suffer in our place. Isaiah 42 is the first song of the suffering servant. Isaiah 49, which we just read, is the second song of the suffering servant. Isaiah 50 is the third one. Isaiah 52 and 53 is the fourth one. So this is the second song of the suffering servant, where God reveals Jesus to the nation of Israel and to us. He's going to come to earth from the womb of his mother, it says here in this chapter, and he's going to stand in our place. He's going to suffer under all our sin and misery in order to set us free. But there's a problem. Israel's view of the Messiah and the Messiah's work is way too narrow and way too small. So in this passage, the father in a conversation with his son corrects and expands Israel's too small view of Jesus. Is your Jesus too small? That's the challenge to us. Is your Jesus too small 
too limited to your own little place? Are we honoring the desire of the Father to glorify his Son, to be an ends of the earth Savior? Is your Jesus too small? Do we really believe why he came and do we really pray for all that he came for? We want to see three things from this passage. God's servant for Israel, God's like to the nations, God's salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus is God's servant for Israel, also called Jacob, the tribes of Jacob, the Jews. And notice how the chapter opens. God's son and his Messiah servant Jesus is not talking to the Jewish people. Look at the opening phrase. He's talking to the Gentiles. Jesus is saying, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. He's talking to the nations that have hurt Israel. Assyria. Babylon and nations further away who have vandalized Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, killed many people and taken the rest prisoners of war and they're exiled in Babylon. And Jesus is talking to them, listen to me. And Israel's feeling like Jonah right now. Why are you talking to those guys? Isn't salvation for us? What does God tell the Gentiles here? What does Jesus say to them? Well, verse 1b, he first tells them, the Lord called me by my name from my mother's womb. And you can hear the Lord sending Gabriel to Mary and Joseph and telling them the name of the baby before he's born. His name shall be called Jesus he will save his people from their sins. God the Father gave his son his name. Then he tells them verse 2. I, Jesus, am tucked away in my mother's womb. But God is preparing me to be his sharp sword and polished arrow. Who will one day do battle with the mouth, with my mouth, by my word. That's right. The gospel is Jesus' sword to do battle, to destroy Satan and his kingdom and to raise up his own army for the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. And the Lord says to his son Jesus in verse three, you're my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. I'm gonna glorify myself, Jesus, dear son, beloved son, in your work. As you come out from the mother's womb and you go out with the sword of your mouth and do your work. But now the Messiah, it's very interesting in verse four, he complains to his father. But my labor's all in vain. I've spent all my strength for nothing. I've worked and I worked and I worked and I worked in my ministry to Israel. What do I get? I'm hanging from a cross. Is this a waste of time? 
Is this a waste of energy? Is this what I get? Yet he trusts the Lord. You will reward me for my work. You will do what's right. You'll give me my right. He trusts him. He trusts him. And then in verses five and six, God answers his son's complaint. I'm doing all this for nothing. But I trust you. And then the father answers his son. And now the Lord says, verse five, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob, the people of Israel, back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. But it does begin there with raising up the tribes of Jacob to bring back the preserved of Israel. His ministry does begin there with going to the Jewish people. The father sent his son to earth, formed Jesus as a human being in the womb of Mary to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to him. And Jesus is the one honored in the eyes of the Lord and strengthened by the Lord to do this great work of redeeming Israel from all his iniquity. You read of that in the beginning of the book of Comfort, Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to who? To Jerusalem. And cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Jesus was sent to bring Israel back. And that's quite a mission. They have sunk so low in their sin. They've gone so far away the Lord in their, from the Lord in their injustice, their cheating, their stealing, their sexual immorality, their violence, their Sabbath breaking, their breaking their vows, their greed, their idolatry. You read through Isaiah, you read through the prophets, it is bad, it is dark but the worst is their hardness of heart and the prophets would come and they would refuse to listen and refuse to repent and they would say we're fine and it's so bad God has sent a pagan king Nebuchadnezzar to clean house to plunder Israel to take them captive and make them his slaves in a foreign country and they're devastated they're depressed they're despairing. And they believe the Lord has forgotten them. And they're beyond the reach of salvation. God's never going to come and get us again. It's over. The covenant is done. The covenant of grace is finished. We've sinned our way beyond God's reach. And so they worry that maybe God is too small even to save them, let alone the Gentiles. But Isaiah's message to Israel is wrong. You're wrong. His arm is not too short to save you, Israel. He's sending help to comfort you. He's sending the Messiah to stand in your place and pay for all your sins and receive all your punishment and get you forgiveness and bring you back to God. 
And the Lord is going to crush the Messiah for you, Israel. And he's going to put him to death for you to pardon and justify you. In fact, what he's going to do for you is so great, you're going to receive double for all your sins. Like you got this much punishment for your sin, this much misery, you're going to get double blessing. That's how much Messiah is going to do for you. That's the good, first good news for us to believe here, brothers and sisters. Good news for Israel today, that be for the covenant community, for the church. Things can get so bad for the church that we begin to doubt whether God is still able or willing to save us and our households. I mean, to save the world is one thing, but I'm not sure he can even save me. And maybe I make Jesus too small, right close to home. Brothers and sisters, do you really believe he can or will save you when you've become so guilty, so undesirable, and so disgusting to God because of your waywardness and your pride and your iniquity and your self-centeredness? that you've become so hell-deserving that you say, God's done with me. It's over. Maybe not you yourself. Maybe a loved one who's so far gone in the deep end of sin that you've given up hope and you've even stopped praying for him or her. Don't make Jesus too small for you. Because if he can save Israel doubly for all her sins when she was so far gone from the Lord, he can save you and your loved one. He's big enough to help you. The work of Jesus is great enough to cover you, to save you. The love of God goes deep enough to get you. No matter how many times you deserve hell, Throw yourself on God's mercy and ask him to save you. And he will. He will. And believe that he can do great things for you. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. He can take the most hardened sinner and bring him back to the Lord. He's not too small for you. Let's believe that. Let's pray that way. Let's talk that way. Let's think that way. And let's hope that way. We leave it to the Lord to do what he's going to do, but we trust him to do great things. That's what's being said here. First for Israel, first for the church. But God says, no, that's not nearly enough for you. He says to his son, I have in my mind to do much more through you than just save Israel who is so far gone. That's too light for you. That's too small. So Jesus is wondering whether his labor is in vain. I'm getting nothing but a cross for all my trouble. And then the father says, oh, wait. I've got much more planned for you 
than just saving Israel, who's going to put you on a cross. That through your suffering servant, through your death, Messiah, I plan to do much more. It is too light a thing, verse 6, that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. That's too small. That's too light. Your dignity, my son, your capacity, my son, the value of your work, my son, is much too great for you just to save Israel, the Jews. I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I'm really going to give to you the dignity and the honor you deserve, my son. You come home from grocery shopping with your mom and the car is full of, the van is full of uh, shopping bags. She asks you to help her take the groceries in. In your Six, you're strong, and she just gives you a little bag with one box of Kleenex. Well, that's sort of insulting. And then she says, wait, that's an insult. You can carry much more. I've got two more bags for you with apple juice. Mmm, that dignifies your strength. And that's what the Lord, the Father, is saying to his son. That's too light for you. What you're going to accomplish by your death on the cross can do way more than just save the Jewish people. I'm going to make you a light for the nations to bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And suddenly Israel moves from thinking two small thoughts about Jesus just for themselves to being blown out of the water with this idea of Jesus for the Gentiles, which of course was God's plan all along the way. That first Jew, Abraham, his name, or Abraham, was his name was changed to Abraham. Why? Remember what that means? Father of many nations. Through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This has been God's plan all along, but the church has forgotten and Jesus has become way too small. And he says later on in the chapter, if you're still open to Isaiah 49, look at 20 and 21, he says to the church, lift up your eyes and look around you. All these people are gathering, they're coming to you. Surely now your land is going to be too narrow for your inhabitants. You need more room. And you will say, yeah, the place, this little piece of geography in the Middle East, that's too narrow for me. Make room for me to dwell in. You will see all the people being gathered into Israel and you will say in your heart, whoa, where are they, all these people coming from? Who has borne these? They're going to come, it says in another spot, from east and west and north and all the way down to Syene, from Syene, the south, Central Africa. 
And then verse 22, behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the people, says the Lord, and they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughter shall be carried on their shoulders. So you got these families coming in, carrying one child by the arm, another on their shoulders, and they're, they're walking to Zion, a picture of God gathering his family from all nations to the ends of the earth. Jesus is God's light to the nations. And why does God want to do this? If you go back to verse three, where the father says to his son, you're my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. God does this not only to bring glory to his son and dignify him, but to bring glory to his own great name. He wants his name to be known to the ends of the earth. It's too small a thing just for the Jewish people to have salvation. And then Simeon catches this vision of the big Jesus. He's carrying the little baby. When he's in the temple and Mary and Joseph come with Jesus, and he picks up that baby, he carries him, and he quotes Isaiah 49 verse 6. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He caught it. His Jesus was not too small. Is your Jesus too small? Are we treating him too lightly? Maybe we're more in the spot of the disciples when Jesus was about ready to ascend. And they ask him, are you, Lord, going at this time to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time for the Jews to be saved? Salvation to come to the Jews. Remember Jesus' answer? He says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What you have in mind, restoring the kingdom to Israel, is just the beginning. Jerusalem's just the start. Jesus Christ, in his finished work, confirmed by his resurrection and in his rule over the nations, he's going out to the ends of the earth and you are his witnesses. Your Jesus is too small. But after that, for the apostles, Isaiah 49 verse 6 became fuel for mission. So Paul quotes Isaiah 49 verse 6 in Acts 13 when he's in Syrian Antioch and he preaches the gospel to the Jews and they reject him. And he doesn't say, well, then my job is done. Jews don't want him. There's nothing more to do. He says, oh, now we're going to turn to the Gentiles and preach to them because God has said it is too small a thing that my servant be for the Jews only 
He is a light to the nations. So we're going out to the nations that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, it says in Acts 13, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So how big are our hopes and prayers? Do we have the Simeon vision? How big is your Jesus? Let's not keep the gospel to ourselves and commit the sin of low expectation. Hiding his light under a bushel. We are the light of the world because Jesus is the light of the world shining in us. And it's too small a thing for Jesus to stay within my own small circle. He's too big for that. He can carry much more than what we're giving him. His blood shed for sinners is too valuable for that. And God's glory is too important for that. We see that thirdly, God's salvation is for the ends of the earth. It's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that says God, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. God has granted us salvation. And that salvation has come in his son. And that's the first question. Will you trust in Jesus Christ for your own salvation personally? Maybe you've never done that. But if you're a lost sinner and you're in darkness and you're in deep bitterness of soul and deep love for this world, addicted to the world's pleasures, don't stay there. God delights in saving sinners to the ends of the earth. And if you throw yourself on his mercy, he will surely save you. That's his name, salvation. And that's his delight. And then, Jesus isn't too small to do that for you. But then, take his salvation to others. God's not satisfied with small things for his son. He says, I want multitudes brought in. I want nations brought in. To the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth doesn't mean only the ends of the earth. Starting right at your next door neighbor. Person you work with. Person you do fitness with. Person you're at the bus stop with or you meet when you walk your dog. Start there. Think big. Expect much of Jesus and share the gospel. Be ends of the earth thinkers and prayers starting close to home. That's God's goal for his son, for his church, and for his glory. Is it ours? Is it yours? Will I offer myself to God for his mission? 
could be giving a Bible to a neighbor and expecting God to work, having a conversation, having a neighbor over for coffee, inviting them to the kingdom seminar or the men's retreat or conference or whatever it might be, inviting them to come and worship. But salvation is in his son and we want people to meet Jesus and he's big enough to carry that. Share the gospel, shine the light and leave it to God to take his salvation to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, you have a great design for your son, a big plan for the church to take your salvation to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Jesus, that what you have done is worthy of that, can carry that much and much more. So why then should we hold back? Why should we have small expectations of you, Jesus? You can carry it. So we pray that you will grant us grace to trust in you for ourselves, but also trust in you for sharing the gospel, shining the light to our next door neighbors all the way to the ends of the earth and continue to gather to yourself a people from every tribe and language and nation. And one day we shall stand before the throne of God in the new creation in a group of saints from every language and tribe and nation and color. Oh, what a day that will be. And we want to see that day growing already now in our time. We ask you to bring that in Jesus' name, amen.